When they heard this, they were silenced. And they praised the Lord, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you to be here with us this morning, and we trust that you are here. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I want to tell you a little bit of a story this morning. It, it has to do with our readings. In fact, the reading that we have from Acts chapter 11 is sort of the second act of a three-act story that we're going to be um, talking about today. So I want to sort of go back a little bit into Acts chapter 10 and sort of start the story at the beginning because we are reading basically from the middle. So what's happening here is that two men are destined to meet. This is uh, just like a movie, right? Two men are destined to meet, and they're, they're having visions from God at the same time, even though they're miles apart. The first character in our story is St. Peter, and he is in a town called Joppa, and he has this vision that we read about this morning in Acts chapter 11. He has this vision of something like a sheet being lowered down to him, and in the sheet are all of these animals that he knows he's not allowed to eat because of the Jewish law. These animals are unclean. And so when he hears the voice that accompanies his vision say, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. He says, No, I can't do that. No no single profane thing, he says, has ever gone into my mouth. This is... St. Peter's build it and they will come moment, right? Get up, Peter, kill and eat. And he says, I can't do that. These animals are unclean. And the voice says, don't call something that I have made clean, unclean. And as is often necessary with St. Peter, he gets this vision three times. And it's only after the third time that he gets it. This is, as you've heard over the last few weeks, this is the theme of Peter's life. He, on the Thursday that Jesus is arrested, he denies knowing him three times. A week later, when Jesus is resurrected, he asks, do you love me? And Peter answers, you know I love you, three times. And now he has this vision of the sheet full of these previously thought to be unclean foods. And he has to see it three times before he understands what God is getting at. Because at the same time Peter is having this vision in Joppa, in another town miles away called Caesarea, there is a Roman centurion named Cornelius who's having his own vision. And this vision tells Cornelius to send some guys to Joppa to get Peter. So we're having these two visions happening at the same time. 
Peter is having a vision about foods that he thought were unclean, that are now being called clean. And Cornelius, in another town, is having his own vision that tells him to send some guys to get Peter. So Cornelius does. This is a a theme in scripture. If you ever get a vision like this, just obey it. I had somebody at the 8 o'clock service say, that's maybe why he had the vision three times. Because the first time we would say, well, that was weird, but that was clearly either some hallucinatory drug that I accidentally took or some undigested food. But when you have the vision three times, do what it says. So Cornelius sends his guys to Joppa to get Peter. And Peter comes to Caesarea to meet Cornelius. Cornelius, as a Roman centurion, is not a Jew. And so all of a sudden, Peter realizes what this vision was all about. Because as you may know, the Jews thought of non-Jews as sort of, by their nature, unclean. And so these foods were things that Gentiles ate, things that non-Jews ate. And so Jews, in order to keep themselves clean, to keep themselves set apart, to keep themselves pure, didn't eat those foods. So it was all about these dividing lines. We're clean, they're not. We're righteous, they're sinful. And when Peter walks into Cornelius' house, this Gentile, but a man who wants to know about God, he all of a sudden realizes what the vision was about. And he remembers those words, don't call something that I have made clean, unclean. I have made Cornelius clean. Don't call him unclean. And so Peter makes this speech. He says, And as I began to speak to Cornelius, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them, them being the Gentiles, the unclean ones, the sinners, if God gave them the same gift that he gave us, When we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? So Peter, in Cornelius' house, realizes that the word of God, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is for everyone, Jew and Gentile alike. This is his big revelation. And so then he goes back home. And that's when our reading starts this morning, because when he gets back, it says that the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles, the non-Jews, the unrighteous ones, the unclean ones, had also accepted the word of God. And when Peter went to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, why did you go to the uncircumcised men and eat with them? Why did you go to those unclean people and eat with them? Why did you go to those sinners and hang out with them? And so Peter tells this story about how he had the vision 
And now he went to Cornelius' house and how Cornelius had had a vision too. And how he realized what his vision meant. That the dividing line between Jew and Gentile, between holy and unholy, between sinner and righteous had been broken down. And that the word of God was for everyone. I wish this was the end of the story. We've been tracking the life of St. Peter now for several weeks, right? We went from faithful Peter to faithless Peter. We went from righteous Peter to sinful Peter, back and forth and back and forth. And now we seem like he's got it, right? He's, He's understood finally that the good news of God is for everyone, Jew or Gentile, sinner or righteous, clean or unclean. But in just a few weeks after this event, Peter goes to Antioch. I want to read to you just now a bit from uh, St. Paul's letter to the the Galatians. This is from chapter 2, and I'm reading this to you because of what happens to St. Peter. Just a few weeks after this incident, where he has this revelation that the dividing line has been broken down. St. Paul says, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, right? Just like he did with Cornelius. Peter used to eat with the Gentiles, said St. Paul. He used to associate with the unclean ones. He used to hang out with the sinners, But when they arrived, says St. Paul, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? He says, we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. You see what's happening here? Peter has this revelation. Think of it like a high school lunchroom, right? There's the cool kids and the uncool kids. And a cool kid, one of the chosen ones, has this revelation. Hey, the uncool kids and the cool kids, they're the same. Everybody's the same. So he goes and he starts eating with the uncool kids. You've seen this movie, right? It stars Freddie Prinze Jr., I promise. That's hilarious. But then, when some of the uncool kids, when some of the cool kids who were on vacation come back to school, this guy starts getting cold feet. He starts to say, well, gosh, I don't really want to be seen eating with the uncool kids. So I'm going to go back. And I'm going to sit with the cool kids again. And this is what St. Paul is saying that Peter was doing. When these representatives from James came to where Peter was, all of a sudden Peter, who was eating with the uncool kids, who was eating with the Gentiles, the unclean ones, the sinners, all of a sudden Peter stopped eating with them. He started only associating with those that he thought were righteous again. And St. Paul says, you are not understanding the gospel if you do that. And this is the message that I have for us this morning. 
the gospel is really hard for good Christians to understand. The gospel is really hard for good Christians like you and me to understand. Because the gospel is for everyone. And we like how it sounds to say that the good news of Jesus Christ is for sinners, but surely not really bad sinners. I mean, we're not perfect, we think, but we're trying as best we can. We're not perfect, but we're doing better than he is. We're not perfect, but we're more faithful than she is. See, Peter's a good Christian. And he knows that he's a redeemed sinner, but he's one of the chosen people. He's one of the cool kids. He's righteous. And so he gets away from this idea that the dividing line has been broken. This message, the good news of Jesus Christ, is hard for good Christians to understand. Even though Peter, when he is in Cornelius' house, right, when he's with the Gentile, when he's with the unclean one, he says the first words out of his mouth are, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Boom. God does not show favoritism. But the reason is the thing that we all forget. God does not show favoritism because we are all desperately broken and hurting people. There is no one of us who could claim to be God's favorite. We are all desperately in need. I want to talk to you about another dividing line that was broken down. Remember, in Peter's vision, the dividing line between Jew and Gentile was broken down. Do not call the things that I have made clean unclean, says God. Don't do that. Don't call something that I have made righteous a sinner. On that fateful Friday when Jesus was crucified, we read in the Gospel of Matthew from the 27th chapter that from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. 
something that we can read over really quickly without catching the significance. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Another dividing line was destroyed. The curtain in the temple was designed to separate the people from the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest could go beyond the curtain. And when Jesus breathes his last and gives up his spirit, that curtain is torn in two. And the wall of separation between us and God is destroyed. So we have these two separations that are done away with. We have the separating line between the righteous and sinners and the separating line between humans and God. All destroyed. St. Paul, who rebukes Peter for going back to eat with the cool kids, St. Paul knows about sin. Because only recently, St. Paul was, as he says, a persecutor of the church. He was tasked with hunting down followers of this new religion and delivering them up to the authorities to be killed. St. Paul calls himself chief among sinners. St. Paul knows how important it is that the gospel be for sinners. Peter is a good Christian, like you and me. And so he forgets that he can count himself among the sinners, just like we forget. We think that we're doing okay, and we are. We're the ones who are helping out with Faith Kitchen. We're the ones who come to every Dungaree Sunday. We're the ones who give a portion of our income to the church. It's, good, it's right that Jesus should save us, right? But not, not those people. Not the p- people who run out of here every Sunday and never look back. Not the people who never help with Faith Kitchen. Not the people who don't give anything to the church. Surely not them. Peter says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. He later says, We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day. And everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The message to us today is that even when we don't even understand the gospel, the gospel is still true for us. Even when we forget the depth of our need, the truth of our sin, and we find ourselves like St. Peter eating with the cool kids. And we find ourselves like St. Peter thinking that, well, we're a little bit better than someone else. Even when we find ourselves like St. Peter in trouble with somebody from the church. The good news of Jesus Christ, that he came to save sinners, that he came to save the broken, that he came to save us, is true. They killed Jesus by hanging him on a cross. 
But God raised him from the dead on the third day. And everyone who believes in him, whether they truly understand his story or not, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Amen.